Okay. Yeah, now everything's online. It's all burning stone. Yeah, do we can't do anything. It's all live streaming. Yeah. yeah. You're yeah. screwed. I'm screwed. <laughs> it feels weird. Uh, you know, I, I feel like we should do uh, an intro or something, right? I, I don't know if this episode should start with... Or... Konnichiwa! It's kind of like turning into Beavis and Butthead right now. <laughs> and didn't you do a video? What I always, Whenever I hear that intro music, I always think about trains, because you did the video, right? Didn't you record... Yeah, yeah, a lot of the uh, a lot of the Finding Japan video episodes, I, I, you know, I, I was had a lot of fun doing video overlays and mm-hmm. stuff like that, but I was lazy. I only wanted to do it once. Yeah. So I kept reusing the same logo with the Yamanote. Line yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. so for me, like the Finding Japan music equals like riding a train in Japan. Oh, <laughs> that's interesting. Yeah, or it just kind of gives me I'm reminded of trains. But yeah, but not locomotives out in the woods, you know, out in nature. No, it's the Yamanote line it's coming the through. I think I can't, in. if I'm remembering the the scene right, yeah, it comes in. I think it comes from the kind of an angle. Yeah, 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 it's pretty cool. Well, uh, welcome back to Finding Japan again. It's been wow five years since I've recorded an episode. Yeah, and about two for me. Yeah, it's, like you said, 2014. That's a long time. Yeah, and actually, the last episode that. We recorded together. Well, no, we may have done like a handoff episode or something. I can't even remember. But the last episode that we did as a formal Finding mm-hmm. Japan episode was actually right after the uh, Fuji Yoshida Fire Festival when, when you had spent a week at St. Luke's Hospital. That's right. Recovering from from some, you know. I want to make it heroic. No, I. I got shot by a Japanese Yakuza, and I had to recover from my bullet wounds. No, I, <laughs> I got an abscess in the back of my throat. Basically, where your tonsils are, you got infected for I don't know why. And you can't even tell. You couldn't even tell. It's just like hurts yeah. and swollen. And that was fun. Yeah, we go to the Fuji Yoshida, and I'm trying to like self-medicate with beer and alcohol, and obviously not doing a good job because I was so miserable. Man, that was not a good time yeah. for you, anyway. Yeah, it was a fun trip, like in story retrospect. Like, yeah, it was ridiculous, but yeah. but yeah, it's, I mean, since then, so much has happened. We had the uh, the three eleven earthquake a uh, couple months after that, actually, now like six seven months after that. Oh yeah, it would be. That's yeah. right. It would be because that was like in the fall. Yeah, that was. In... And two, I think two months after the um, the Fuji Yoshida Fire Festival episode, uh, my my first daughter Eloise was born in mm-hmm. Japan. Yeah. And uh, wow. And then uh, you know we had moved back to the states by June or July of that year. And then I started working again back at my uh, my company for about. Uh, Four years, and then you know I had an opportunity that started about a year and a half ago, uh, and then really turned into something real uh, this past summer to to try and come back to Japan. And uh, it wasn't something we had planned to do, but it uh, just kind of worked out. Yeah, you had so. come over for a few business trips, and I think that was I don't know exactly related to the coming to Japan, but it was a. The company was did send you over a couple yeah, times, well, right? Yeah, well, no, I I came over for a retirement party for uh, a good uh, colleague of mine who um, sort of like a mentor 
Okay. So none none of those were full on work trips. No. No. Oh, I'd always. I mean, I know they were related trips. to the company because of people you'd worked Except with. Except for the one in July. Oh, right, okay. Where I came out here because oh, that right. was me scoping out the opportunity and trying to understand what was happening yeah. in the company. And yeah. just for yeah, you know, I'm I'm speaking kind of uh, at a high level about the whole thing because I've never actually shared with Finding Japan listeners who which company I work for. Yeah, well, I do that purposefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, but this time it's it's the Acme same. Incorporated. Ah, damn it! Oh, sorry. So fired. <laughs> <laughs> hey, don't don't worry. Whenever I pause, because I'm like, I work for a world famous fruit company. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. It's Dole. Yeah, exactly. Someone's gonna <laughs> someone's gonna say that too. I know where it is. It's Dole. Okay, okay. Well, if you think it's Dole, that's great. Um, uh, no, so it's it's the same company. I was just telling somebody the other day. I've worked for this company for sixteen years now. It's mm. kind of kind of incredible that I've worked for this company for sixteen years. But I had a friend who was asking me um, when I came back from Japan. He said, "Are you? Oh, wow, you're still here? Uh, you know, because they hadn't seen me in about three oh. years." And I said, "Yeah, you know, I've had like five or six different jobs at that time. Now six or seven different jobs." Uh, in the company since then and uh so again this time was another opportunity to come back at a different level and and work with a team that i knew really well so Mm -hmm. we said yeah why not do it and Mm -hmm. i think the the biggest part for us was um you know since uh my oldest daughter was born we had two more uh another son and a daughter so we have five three and one one year old now Mm mm-hmm that's a and, good, uh, man, that's a, you guys have a good spread. It's a good spread. It's that's a, a perfect it's, spread. It's a good spread, and uh, you know we're, we'll we'll be all set if yeah. we're here for uh, Shigo-san. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. That's going to be awesome. So I, I don't know if people know what Shigo-san is. So ah, good, good point. Yeah. Um, so Shigo-san is basically it celebrates like kids turning a certain age to celebrate their good health and the fact that they've made it to that age and to wish them good fortune. Um, I'm not really good with the way it works. Is that girls actually get to celebrate it twice? They get to celebrate it at age three and age seven. I thought it was the other way around. Really, boys only get it at oh, five. Okay, so we're actually going to be like the sexes will be completely opposite for us. Yeah, and so actually, if you you might have already missed. Yeah, you no, no, you didn't. You all, uh, let's see. Ellie will be able to get it oh, when no. she's seven. Yeah, so we'll actually be all set up then. Cause... And then Isaac. Isaac will be five yeah. and Amelia will be three. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so it'll be a perfect. That's, oh, yeah. Do you, yeah, get, you, do you be, get like a prize for that in Japan if you like line it up perfectly? Like, wouldn't that be awesome? A little like, uh, not bingo, but like, yeah, Shigo-san. <laughs> you get yeah. like a So just for people who don't know, Shigo-san basically means seven, five, three. I think we've been saying that and maybe if people oh, don't yeah, know yeah. Japanese, they're like, mm. so yeah, seven, five, three. So it's the ages that you celebrate the kids. So it's a it's based off a of Shinto tradition. So Japan's Japan is largely, although a lot of people claim Japan is non-religious, there's two traditional religions. One is a native Japanese religion called Shinto, which is a multi-deistic or multiple gods, kind of similar to religions like I think Hindi has Hindu has multiple gods. The Greek, you know, classic what we call mythologies now, but at the time those that was religion for people. So uh, those kind of it's a multiple god, very um, very almost, local too. Yeah, and very nature based and a little bit right. shamanistic. Um, for controversy, it could be very similar to the religions that Christianity supplanted when it came into the 
various parts of the Middle East. Those the original reason why we celebrate Christmas on the day we do is it was originally Saturnalia or some kind of more local. Right, it was a yeah. pagan holiday. Pagan. There we go. Paganism. So think of Shinto as Japan's paganism. And the whole bringing in the Christmas tree was to try to uh, get rid of uh, death. Right? Yeah. During the winter, a lot of really old. Um, Churches in uh, in Rome are actually originally pagan temples, and then they're just wow. built over. You know, when you come over and when the new boss is in town, you try to accommodate the old stuff so people don't get so shocked, and then you know you take over. But okay, religious commentary aside, um, the so the idea with Shichigo-san is that uh, what happens is is. Girls and boys are dressed in traditional. I have photos in my house, me and my brother both when we were five. So we're dressed in hakama, which I think Westerners, it's just style of kimono. Mm. So it, really, really samurai looking, pretty nice, like full on kimono. Uh, it's pretty badass looking. Um, the hakama is actually the bottom skirt part, and I don't know if the top has a separate name, but it's the whole thing. It is has like the sweeping shoulders. The sweeping right? shoulders, the broad <clears throat> shoulders, and it kind of comes down like a vest. Mm-hmm. And then. And then it's obviously ties. When you're a five year old, you feel like freaking Superman. When you oh, it's out. great! It's great! It's really cool. Um, and then you and then carry, you're like, "Where's my sword?" You carry a special bag that has, I think, like long candy. These long, this long Japanese traditional candy because it signifies it long life to wish oh, you long okay. life. And you hold that in your bag on one hand, and I think on the other hand you hold a fan or something, and they take a picture of you. Um, it's interesting. The photo, both mine and my brother's photos, are up. And I'm like, kind of like, huh? Look, expression on my face. And my brother looks like he's gonna freaking win a war. He's like, 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 like. <laughs> I know that doesn't come across in in, in podcasts, but he's got like a, mm, like a mean, like I'm game face on. And I'm just like, huh? <laughs> it's so funny, like our personality difference. Just to let you guys know, like my brother now is like, my brother's job is like he coordinates like the largest martial arts school. He's like the recruit head recruiter for largest martial arts school in Seattle. Like, yeah. So he went that way, and I'm like, oh, nerdy, nerdy, uh, you know, like so. <laughs> you can see the difference there, but it's interesting. So and then it, and then so yep, yeah, and then on that day or, or around the celebration, you take your kid to a Shinto shrine. They get kind of blessed and you know wished good luck, and it's it's kind of the health and prosperity and happiness, and it's for kids. It's wonderful. It's cute. So so we will uh, hopefully. If if we're here, uh, get to participate in Shichigo-san, but yeah. not sure yet. We're we're only here at this point, committed through I think the end of next year. Oh, okay. So that'll be like right right at the edge. Oh right? yeah, yeah. So we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, the, the so you know that's been the I think the biggest change the having the three kids and um, coming back to Japan uh, quite unexpectedly. It did happen quite fast, um, but. I, you know, I think I think we're we're happy to be here. It's a little different this time than last time. Last time we actually lived in a high rise. Mm-hmm. So actually, on the the day of the earthquake, our elevators stopped working. Ah, oh. because actually, I think the elevators worked, but they wouldn't let people in them until they recertified them. Mm-hmm. So they have to have somebody yeah. come in and take a look at yeah. it. And we lived and they on, do stop automatically on their own. They lock up. So they do. Yeah. They do. Yeah. And we lived on the forty third floor. That's right. That's right. You guys lived in ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I have a photo that's almost similar to the. Um, and I thought about this. It's almost similar to Bill Murray sitting on the couch, uh, sitting on the bed, and finding uh, in uh, Lost in Translation. So I, I that trip where I didn't feel that good though. I did. Or oh, did it, you take a selfie? Yeah, you're like I did. sitting there with the lights in the back. Yeah, I, I think <laughs> I did. Awesome. It's I somewhere. It's sitting around somewhere. 
either it was that trip or it was another. I went up. It was, that was not my only time to go up to visit you guys. So yeah, I did, you were you were. I came like up two yeah, or three times. two or three times. So yeah. it may have been one of the other times, but I do remember taking some photo and thinking about not completely mimicking, but thinking about the the Lost in Translation. Yeah, we had a we had yeah. a great view there. Um, yeah, it was it was an amazing place. It was in a place called Kachidoki, which is uh, if you if you're in Tokyo Station and you go east, you end up walking through Ginza, and then you go through the Skiji Fish Market, and then yeah. if you keep going, you start heading into the reclaimed land. Yeah, area. you'll cross a bridge once because it's rec- and reclaimed. We land. were in the first set of peninsulas that that are in that reclaimed land. Yeah. So the cool part about it was it was. Uh, on the bay, and you had great views. We faced north, so we could see all of the Sumida River. Mm-hmm. And we could That's see right. Sky Tree yep. being built. It was still being built at the time. At that yeah. time. And then uh, we had a great terrace on the back, so we could see the uh, Tokyo Bay fireworks. Mm-hmm. Like right, right And also from the, the angle, right? The the main window, main view was out north, but I think you can get onto the west side. And can you see Mount Fuji? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. From the we had like a little porch. Yeah. And um, that right near that Kachidoki neighborhood is uh, Tsukishima. Yeah. Right, just north of it was yeah, and Tsukishima. Re- really famous for monjayaki, which is a kind of a. It's always hard to you can you can describe it in a bad way because it initially has it's kind of soupy and weird looking and yeah, it's like a soupy pancake you yeah. scrape off a griddle and eat right off the yeah, and it's really it. good and it's if you just go by a bad description of it, it could turn you off. But the minute you eat it, it's great. It's so good. It's so good. So we uh, we lived in the high rise last time, and now we live in an actual house. It's a two story house, and it's yeah. in a pretty nice neighborhood in, in Shibuya Ku. Yeah, it's uh, about a ten minute, no, ten fifteen minute walk to Shibuya Station. Yeah, and then maybe like a five minute walk to Subway. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, it's a good spot. famous neighbors won't say because then that, <laughs> that might give give away the location more than. <laughs> I think I got upgraded the other day. I didn't tell you. Oh, what's up? Yeah, well, tip, so you know, there's there is a uh, family of a political person who lives in this neighborhood here, and uh, so there are police officers everywhere mm-hmm. on all the corners, including so so we're literally locked in by police officers. Yeah, right now it's extra heavy with the summit and stuff. Yes, yeah. and uh, so we. Uh, um, t- it's not uncommon. Maybe it happens twice a month where we'll be stopped. And we can't walk down the street because mm-hmm. this particular person is leaving, mm-hmm. and I have to wait for the motorcade to go through or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, um, this happened a lot over the past three weeks or so because I think um, this person was visiting her family here. Uh, but the other day, as I was walking home from work, uh, the cop recognized me. He said, "Oh, you just just go ahead." And he's <laughs> letting me go through as the motorcade is going. Oh, through. nice. And there were still a bunch of uh, whatever the SP yeah. there doing their thing. and, and uh, They rotate out a little bit. So I don't, I mean, I come here a lot, but I don't come here, I don't think I come here with a frequency enough that, you know, with including the fact that the guys get rotated out. Yeah. But I'm wondering, like, you know, if this goes on for six months, a year or more, I think eventually I'm going to get recognized or, you know. Yeah, you probably yeah. will. Yeah. I don't know if I have the, my frequencies up there yet, but especially with the rotating. If they keep the same guys on there, obviously, like, easily they'd recognize me, yeah. but. But I think they do kind of rotate them out. And I'm sure, obviously, there's shifts and stuff like that. So, but it's always strange when you walk home and yet they have to remove a road barricade for you to get yeah. by. So, somebody at work told me, "Well, you're in a you're in a very safe neighborhood." And I'm like, and the other way to think about it is it's a very very big target. Exactly. So. <laughs> you could think of it either way. Yeah, you could think of it either way. 
so, but uh, we so we have all three kids here with us, and uh, the two oldest ones are in school. We found a international school, mm-hmm. actually about an eight minute walk from here, which is one of the reasons why we're here in this neighborhood. And uh, I, I think they like school. Uh, first time for Isaac, the five year old, the, the sorry, the three year old, soon to be four year old boy. Yeah. Um, and he is uh, took him a little while to adjust, but I think I think he's doing good now. And our oldest is just, uh, you know, doing swimmingly. Yeah, she seems like she just like yeah, yeah. So so that's been the probably the biggest biggest change over the last five years. Um, you know, it's weird. You know, you and I were talking earlier about you know what what do you what do you talk about now that you know you, you've lived in Japan for how many years now? I think I've 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 recently had to like add it all up, and I'm trying to do all the calculations. It's a weird thing because I grew up as a my dad was in the navy, so I I was like a, a navy brat, military brat. So you were like so in and out. Right? That was in and out, but also on mil- even when I did live in Japan, except for two years when I lived in Yokosuka from the third grade till the fifth grade. Uh, I was well third, fourth, and then fifth grade was let's see, my third grade, fourth grade. Fifth grade was on the base. Yeah, I think fifth grade I already moved on the base. It was two years out in a neighborhood called Oyabe, which is outside of Yokosuka, hmm. the big base in Yokosuka, um, big naval base. And so other than that, I was always on the military bases. And even then, I was going to American school. I, I didn't go to Japanese school. So I don't really know. They don't really... I mean, I, I count that as living... I did live in Japan even mm-hmm. when I was a kid. But I think my real experience of living in Japan is since... Since I've been an adult, since I did an exchange at Kobe University, I was an international student at Kobe University, then I did grad school there, and I ended up living in Kobe for like over 10 years, a good 13, 12, 13 years. Um, so it's got to be like 16 years for you in total, right? Somewhere around there? Or, no, if you if you include the time on the military base, because I lived, I was born in Japan, I lived, in the, lived on a military base, and then moved to the States, and then moved back. So if you include everything, it's easily over 20 years. Wow. Yeah. Um, if you just count being an adult in Japan, it's straight through since 2000. So it is 16 years. Yeah. And plus add the in, one year as an exchange student, so it's, it's 17 years. Wow. Yeah. So you, you got to feel this more than I do, but you know there, there are times, we were talking earlier, there are times where I, it doesn't even feel like living in Japan anymore. It just feels like another city or feels like another place that you're living in. And you almost become not immune or numb, but you almost you take everything for granted that you see every day. Uh, you know, I was talking to you earlier about how, you know, I walk from home from work and I walk through essentially what is Japan's Times Square every day, not every day, but yeah. most days home from work. Or is Times Square Japan's should be a, or is Times Square America's should be across. Oh, depending yeah. on how you look at it, depending on how you look <laughs> yeah. at it. Yeah. They, they both have their amazing, I think, there is a certain more not button down's the wrong word. A little more classic feel to Times Square, and sometimes Shibuya's crossing just seems like pop culture gone mad. <laughs> just like yeah. like ah, you know, like it's because because it actually doesn't have that much of a long history. Shibuya is one of the parts of Tokyo that when you take 
when you look at as crazy as as crazy and urban and central as it, as it is to Tokyo's identity today, you take a snapshot of that place 30 years ago, you go back 30 years. Oh, I'm sure it's totally It different. was not like it was still just getting started. Shibuya is not that historically that center center of, of that central Tokyo. Um, you take a shot of like Ginza or Shinjuku 30 years ago, and you can still sense that, right. wow, this is where things are in Tokyo. You go to the Tokyo Station area, and you can take a photo from 75 years ago and still get that vibe. Shibuya is very, actually, was relatively underdeveloped until hmm. maybe last 20 years. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's amazing, though, because, you know, I, you know I, I struggled with what to do with the podcast and how to do everything and and think about how to talk about Japan when it suddenly seems normal after being here the third time and after being here for a total of maybe four or five years and you know adding up the three the three the three times that I have been here mm-hmm. so I can't imagine what it's like being here for for 16 years and then you started you started your podcast in like 2005 five. yeah after you had already been here yeah five years six yeah. years so that that's amazing to me. That'd be like me starting a podcast a year from now to talk about being, living in Japan. Yeah, yeah. It it was already like it's weird how like yeah, and I already felt like a Japan veteran. Not only, I mean, yeah, it was five years, five six years as an, as an adult, but I'd also been here as a child. My mother's Japanese, so if really, if you add my all my experiences about Japan, it even right. it, even even in two thousand five, it went way back. It went way further back. It is hard to sometimes figure out. Um, sometimes you just have to talk about stuff. And if you sit there and edit yourself and go, I think this is interesting, or I don't think that's interesting, or I don't know, like, we are not the best arbiters of what's going to be interesting to people. Right. Sometimes just pick a topic and talk about it, and you will be surprised about people go like, what? Like, that was really interesting. You know, I'm like, really? I'm just talking about going down to the 100 yen shop. That's that interesting? And that's the one, you know, topic that gets, you, you know, you get 20 emails about it. Or I, I guess for me, it's the... The, the difference between being in the experience now mm-hmm. and and facilitating the experience mm. because uh, you know when I was here before I was able to experience everything new everything was new mm-hmm. and I could walk the listeners with me through yeah. that process yeah and in fact it's, it's it's amazing I to prepare for this podcast and you know we were talking about launching you know relaunching finding Japan and we're, we're gonna do you know, a lot more episodes and, and do some more stuff with this podcast. And so I was thinking to myself, how, how do I get like re-engaged with understanding Japan and thinking about it from that outside in perspective? And uh, I think you're right. I think it just comes down to talking about it and let's not worry about what is an interesting topic to us and just talk about yeah. what happened today. Hey, yeah. you know, I ran across this or, and we, we do have some interesting topics I think lined up, mm-hmm. some new topics, some yeah, which is fine too. Obviously, it's a balance of both, right? We can talk about something we think is mundane, and people can catch on to it. And we can also talk about something that we think is interesting, and people will also catch on to that too, because there is a, I guess, quote unquote, a veteran's perspective, right? Like there is something, there is something to be said and to be gained. There's a, you know, it's it's exciting to hear hear an observation from someone who's just arrived in Japan for the first time. Sure, that's great. But in some ways, a lot of that's going to be like, and the convenience stores are really amazing. And nothing wrong with that reaction. That's an honest reaction. They are still really amazing, though. They are. That is true. (laughs) But there's also something to be said about our deeper take or even... 
Even mm. you can even use the the negative word slightly jaded take. I don't think we're jaded, but you know what mm. I mean. Like a maybe vet, a veterans take or a little bit you know in the trenches take is a better way to put it. Jaded kind of makes it sound negative, but I think I think the one thing that I might try to talk a little more about is my. I think let me back up. I think before I was more interested in the cult, the superficial culture of Japan mm-hmm. and kind of the pop culture. Oh wow, this is weird. This part is different. Yeah, than or the what classic, I'm used to, yeah, right? or the classic tradition, traditional cult. You know, the obvious. You know, yeah. And I think what I'm finding more interesting now in my day to day work are some of the challenges that I'm discovering working in a Japanese company, working uh, with Japanese people in the role that I have now, and and coming across different challenges that I never thought I would have in, a, in any workplace environment and trying to figure out how to overcome those challenges. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, what, what will be especially difficult, but I'm, I'm really thinking about how to do this, is uh, how to express those challenges without you know, invading privacy or... Uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, maybe what I'll have to do is record everything and then release it oh, when I no yeah. longer work for the company. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's ways we can... Uh, there are ways we can talk about stuff, uh, you know. Yeah. But but I understand, too. I mean, I feel the same way, yeah, you know. Because a lot of what I yeah. find interesting now about Japan is getting deeper and peeling back the layers of culture mm-hmm. and going, why, why does this person, why do these people act this way? Why is this... Mm-hmm. Or having revelations a lot yeah. about, you know, wow, I, I never realized that, you know... People valuing showing up much more than contributing, uh, mm. or people people valuing the ability to follow process, yeah, and be be a stalwart, mm-hmm. even if it means we're not moving things forward, yeah, because that's more valuable to them culturally than really trying to disrupt mm-hmm. things. But I think what you'll do, what you'll see when you go back into your own culture, is you'll start there. There, are, each culture has its, I think. Strengths and weaknesses is maybe a, a little bit of a unfair way to put it, but um, it's yeah, I guess strengths and weaknesses. So when you go back into your own culture, the things that there there are things obviously those things that you put in out in the, in in the Japanese culture, and you wonder why is that valued more? And at the time, that seems like deficiencies or kind of mm. difficulties or challenges. And then you'll go back into your own culture and be like, really. Back in Japan, this would have been done in a minute. Like that, you'll find yeah. the strengths of the other culture. And you'll be yeah. like, you'll be like, you'll be like, how many times do you need to be late to a meeting for like someone needs to tell you like get on it? Like you know, do you not understand that you need to be quiet right here now, or you need to <laughs> you need to pick up on the vibe here and not just right, right. express your opinion and be like I'm an individual. That's lovely, but maybe you need to act grown. You know, like like right. I think it's gonna go both ways. Right here, you can get frustrated about certain things or like come on initiative or or. You know, sometimes let's not just be slaves to the system or to the right. structure. But on the other hand, it's like, okay, it's not cowboy time. Like, when, you know, I feel like a I feel like a corporate ping pong ball sometimes. Yeah. culturally, right? Because mm-hmm. I've moved between this culture and the U.S. culture and the work environment three times each way over the last hmm, six years, mm-hmm. five years, no, seven years. Well, yeah, yeah. If so, you take it as a whole span, yeah, yeah maybe, and, maybe even a little bit longer than and that. And so I, I, I sort of feel like every time I'm a little more, a little less on the extreme. Mm-hmm. And uh, which is gonna, which is value add. You're gonna, it's I hope gonna so. be very valuable for you. Well, <laughs> I yeah, hope so. We'll see. Yeah, I think it'll be very valuable for you, and you'll be, you'll be able to, to contribute that. Uh, that's gonna be an amazing thing. Yeah, some of it will obviously be confusing, and sometimes it's hard. You know, it can. 
I've started bowing at cars again uh, when crossing the street. Yeah. I remember that was a that was a hard habit to break when I got back to the U.S. I had so many friends and they go back to home country and they do things like when they talk on the phone, bow on the phone, yeah. or or accidentally cut someone off on the road while they're driving and, and do the dude, little dude, chopped hand. There's a hand that you bring up just, to, just for the visual. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a little mini karate chop, but it's kind of saying it's sorry. It's kind of like like halfway between a karate chop and a salute. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. And you kind of, and as you do it, you kind of bow your head down too. It's a, it's a way of saying sorry non-verbally that Japanese used a lot. It, it, it connects to the Japanese word sumimasen, which translates to excuse me or my bad or kind of right. right. Yeah. Yeah. So. So that's that's the big update. I mean, there's there's a lot shoved into that mm-hmm. twenty minutes of here's what's happened, but yeah. I mean, yeah, I think having, having kids was a was a big big change but it's also so exciting i I love seeing them navigate you know they're doing their own the way they navigate their own little adventure as they navigate through you know uh especially for ellie and isaac you know just seeing them just just do their thing and what was uh what was really cool to see is uh so ellie my, my oldest daughter eloise we call her ellie ellie had always known that she was born in japan ever ever since she could articulate it mm-hmm. and so for her to come back was i think a little exciting for her because uh, she always wondered what it would be like or yeah. where did she come from but what was more interesting and unexpected was uh isaac my son he when he came here it took him about i don't know a week or two to realize that there were two languages being spoken ah yeah and so at the first week or two, he was just wide-eyed, looking at everything, just trying to figure out what the, what the heck is going on. Mm-hmm. And then he quickly reverted to once he heard Japanese or saw anybody that looked like Japanese who totally disengaged. Mm. Even if Japanese people would come up to them, he would either completely ignore them or turn away. Mm-hmm. So he was sort of in, in shock. Mm-hmm. And then it was maybe two months later... Where we were, I think we were out to dinner, or we were on the train or something, and he heard me speak Japanese. And then he said, well, wait a second. And then he put it together and he said, well, wait, I, you can learn to speak this language? It's not something that is just immediately sort of outgroup. Oh, nice. Yeah. And from that point forward, he would always ask me questions. Well, how, how do you say this in Japanese? How do you say that? And then that was the turning point for him, I mm-hmm. think, with engaging with Japan. Mm-hmm. And not not that he's super excited all the time to be here, but at least he's tolerant of it, and he is used to kind of the norms of walking around mm-hmm. and things that you know, standing on the left side of the escalator. Mm-hmm. Whereas before, he just uh, wanted that's to do just a, the that's just a quirky Tokyo thing. Yeah, yeah. Civilized people don't stand on the left side of the elevator, but they stand on the right. Yeah, right? it's the right. But <laughs> sorry, that's only the, if you're in Kansai. That's, that's actually the reason that Osaka kan- only, the re- though, right? No, it's uh, Osaka Kobe. Kyoto's messed up because too many tourists. So or tourists don't do anything anyway. Yeah, or even tourists from other parts of Japan. So in oh, Kyoto, yeah, I see, so I it's see. messed up. Kyoto, like I think <laughs> you can see, you can see like the original Kansai people that like they'll they'll go to get on that 
escalator and they're going to go onto the right side and they look up and they see all this whole line of tourists on the left side and just they're like okay i give up and they, <laughs> you see, like, put their head down and kind of go over to their left side and it's like a stand on the left side of the elevator so, and escalator and just maybe like, people don't even know what the heck we're talking about in mm-hmm. japan at least in in, to- in mm-hmm. we we're just talking about tokyo and Kansai. it's very customary for you to stand on only one side of the escalator so those who want to travel more quickly yeah. can continue to walk yeah. up uh, the other side of the escalator, mm-hmm. not not walk up the side that's coming down, but you know, yeah, go up. I've the... heard that this is unofficially exists, not very strongly, but lightly exists in the U.S. too, though. Really, I haven't like, seen it. That, like, for example, in New York, it's a tendency to be on that. Like, it's a, it's not. No one follows it very strongly, but apparently, hmm. there's a default because the reason why they did it to the, on the right in Osaka is because in '72, when was the they had the expo, the Osaka Expo. And it was one of the first biggest big events for Kansai in Osaka to have foreigners come in mass. And they were like, so, you know, we, we need to, like, all these people are coming and we got to figure out what the international standard decide, is right. for standing on the escalator. And apparently they had somehow gotten the word that, of course, this is a Jap- this is the problem with Japan. And one problem is that, that the rest of the world is kaigai, the other, over the seas. So they just think it's all one monolithic other world so i think somehow they found out and they could have just found out from one country that stands on the right but they're like but that one country's overseas so that's the overseas international standard and they decided on the right side and when i went to taiwan the signs also said the right side and i've heard this from other countries too so here's the thing in kansai though mm-hmm. so if you're looking at two escalators one is going up and one is going down mm-hmm. is the one that's going up on the right hand side i don't think that uh, I, th- I don't think that the elevator up and down placement is different between Kansai and, 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 and Kanto. Okay. I don't think that's the issue. Because, because in the because, U.S., yeah. the escalator that goes up is on the right. It, it's like the roads. And so that's why you also stand on the right because you pass on the left. The number one escalator that I ride every day because I transfer trains at Gotanda is the... What did you say is U.S.? Up is right or up? Up is right. Up is right. Yeah. Uh, but that's only obviously when there's two is right next the, to the number other. one escalator that I ride here is up is right. Yeah, the left is down, and then the up is right. Yeah, um, but I don't know if that applies everywhere. I'm trying to think of some other escalators that I ride. A lot of the escalators that I ride are there's only like one escalator, and that's the other yeah. weird thing yeah, about and, Japan. Uh, I've been on escalators that are like five steps. Oh yeah, yeah. There's the I think the world's shortest escalator is in Japan. It's ridiculous. It might not even be five. Like I think that it is that or even like less. Or it's yeah. it's ridiculous. It, and and it's, I remember and right, it's in, preceded by like. Eight do, you, steps. do you remember where you rode that? No. Is that in to, in Kanto or in it, Kanto? It was in it was in Kanto. It was okay. In something had told me that something made me thought that the sh- world's shortest escalator was there was like a news article about it. I thought it was in Osaka somewhere, but I'm sure it could be just as short as one. Short. One what's what's amazing to me about the es- the short escalator I did ride though is that to get to the escalator you have to walk up eight steps and then it's flat. Oh uh, like, yeah. It's like five or six steps escalator. Yeah. And then it's flat again. They've gotten better about it, but Japanese public places used to be a nightmare for anybody who had any kind of disability. Mm-hmm. Or even, and by disability, I mean you're old and you need a cane. That's right. the level, of how bad it was. That even that level would have been. I remember traveling in stations and stuff with my grandmother who was, didn't need a cane to get around, but you know, it was a grandma. And, mm-hmm. she, you know, and it was just like really, it's like two steps in a place that could just be a, gra- a gradient. You get to revisit that when you have kids in Tokyo. Oh, yeah. 
Because if you have a stroller, and Shibuya Station is actually quite bad. Mm-hmm. You really have to know where the elevators yeah. are, and they're always not they're they're not always in yeah. convenient locations. Shibuya Station is also going through. They're moving the whole, they're shifting the whole station over south, right? Yeah, yeah. south. So so there is a lot of thing where they're totally shifting the station over and totally redeveloping that whole area. So who knows what it'll be like in five years? It is still crazy whether. The, whether it's developed or not, whether it's redeveloped or not, the way they do that kind of stuff can be kind of ridiculous. But um, although in the old days, man, whew, it used to be really bad. Bad bathrooms, man. You go into a public restroom and there would just be these two steps just to get, for no reason. Like, what? Is this to do with sewage and piping? You couldn't build it at the same level as the rest of it. Like, there's <laughs> no reason. And if you don't have that problem, you don't think about it. But I'm, I'm trying to think, of, my grandmother was one, and I think going around with a friend or seeing somebody was trying to get in the bathroom like and this is the day before they had like proper like now a lot of places have the handicapped bathroom right um you know very prominently but at at the time just like really this is horrible you know for for all of those bad bad things or Mm -hmm. inconvenient things i mean uh, tokyo especially this area if you don't have a car and you have kids it Mm -hmm. is such an easy area Mm -hmm. to live in um Especially with with bathrooms and things like that with kids yeah. and very, people very understand. I can't tell you how many stores I walked into where I didn't buy anything, but I need to use the bathroom. Mm-hmm. No problem at all with yeah. all the kids. So yeah, so we're you know we're enjoying it. We're having we're having fun uh, this time around. Actually, looking forward to to going back uh, for the summer for a couple of weeks mm-hmm. to visit family, but mostly to get out of the heat. Yeah, uh, get out the humid, get out of the humidity. Although you guys are from the East Coast, which is almost is a similar humidity. Yeah, but it's still the level not, is not the same. But still but I remember that messed same. me up when I went to visit you guys because I had spent most of my summer in Seattle and West Coast, right? So when we went to, out to New York for the day, I insisted on bringing my little sport jacket. I remember that because yeah. I was so used to like thinking West Coast and thinking like it's going to get a little chill, like if it, in the shadows or in the evening. And I forgot the East Coast summer is a similar, not as bad. But similar climate to the yeah. Japan. They're both because they're both on the they're both on the western sides of their respective oceans, right. and so the way the currents work and stuff like that. So they have kind of similar summer climates. And I just remember, like, oh yeah, because like, because had we been in Japan, I would not brought that jacket. I, I would know. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm definitely not from <laughs> the East Coast. Like, I have very little experience on the East Coast. I was just like, oh my gosh, this is exactly like being in Japan. <laughs> Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know what else to say. I guess that kind of brings brings me up to date. Um, yeah, kind of where we've been here. I'm sure there'll be other stories between now and then that uh, that I want to tell. But that's that's the quick. Uh, yeah. You know, now it's about the half hour update. But that's the ah. quick half hour update on what's happened over the last five years. Um, I definitely want to hear from Finding Japan listeners. I, I wonder even if people still listen. That's I have never looked at the logs in the last oh, like, I bet, five years. I but. bet they do. No people. I've yeah. I'm sure if we post this and do a little bit of hey, we're back. You know, I'm sure. I did tweet. I tweet or Facebook. I don't even remember. Um, something about getting Finding Japan started up again, and I got some some good response. So hopefully this this episode or or other episodes will. Uh, begin to uh, satiate that demand. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. So, anyway, Terrence, thanks for joining me on no, the episode. And it was a pleasure to join you on the episode. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for joining me on the episode, Chris. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, until next time, that's... Oh, you know, that's so weird. 
I just said I was I was going to give the skeptics guide to the universe because <laughs> that's one of the few podcasts I listen to religiously now. Yeah, I love that podcast. I almost said until next time. This is Finding Japan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, everybody. Um. Yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll keep on finding Japan. So hope you. I don't know. I'm making up some funky slogan. You'll keep on finding Japan. No, it's. I found it. I think yeah. I used that when I did my final episode, episode fifty-six. Nice newsflash. I found Japan finally. <laughs> Latitude, longitude, <laughs> off the coast of China and I was and here Russia. all along. <laughs> all right. Thanks, everybody. All right. Later, people.